Praise the Lord. Thank you once again for being here this morning. I pray that today will be a life-changing moment for you in your history. As you look to the, we're going to look uh, at Matthew 16 today. But you look and you see in the Word of God, and we celebrate here the resurrection. And it bids the question, why did Jesus come? Why did he live on this earth? Why was he crucified? Why was he buried? And why did he rise again? Now, if I'd asked that question and if I took a poll in this house today, I, I'm, I assure you that one of the repeated answers I would receive is that he did so in order to deliver us from our sins, and that would be true. Would you agree with that? What many unfortunate churches may or may not believe is that he also delivered us from the tyranny of Satan. Would you agree with that? That Satan was judged at Calvary. But what may not be a reality to many today is that he also gave us power over self. If you took care of sin and you took care of Satan, but still you didn't have any victory over me, then I'm going to fall right back in the same pit that I crawled out of. But with those things in mind, is there something more to the redemptive story? Is there something more as to the why of the resurrection? In order to answer that question, we've got to answer another question. And it's the one Jesus asked his disciples. Father, we thank you this day for making the ultimate sacrifice with your son. And Father, we ask today that you would speak to the hearts of those that are here. Lord, you are the master of revelation. I ask today that you would reveal yourself in a mighty way. Matthew 16, Jesus asked a question of his disciples. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked in verse 13, his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus asked the question, Who am I? Now, your answer to that question will determine how you live your days on this earth. Your answer to that question will determine where you will exist in eternity. Who am I? Now, he asked the question first, who do men say that I am? 
as we shared last week, we took a trip to Israel, and, and I was just, as we walked through the streets of Jerusalem, and something just changed inside of me, I, I would say. It was just an overwhelming understanding of how many different interpretations there is of Jesus. We spoke on our trip to Muslims, and they have an interpretation of, as to who Jesus is. You ask them, and they'll say, well, he was a man who lived and died, and he's dead, and he was a decent teacher and did some good things. You ask an Orthodox Jew, and they'll tell you the same thing. They'll tell you the exact same thing. You'll ask other religious individuals who have a different interpretation of who Jesus is. You ask the world, and they will tell you who Jesus is. But I'm glad to know that God didn't leave the world to define himself. He, he, he decided he would, uh, he would himself say who he is. Now, the Bible reveals to us who Jesus is. Would you allow me just a few moments as we see who the Bible, what the Bible, the Word of God says about Jesus? He is the last Adam, the advocate, the almighty, Alpha and Omega, the, um, the A.M., the amen the ancient of days the anointed the arm of the lord he's the author and the finisher of our faith that's what the bible says about jesus he's the babe in the manger the balm of gilead the beginning and the end the beloved branch he is the bread of life the bridegroom the bright and morning star who is he? He's the carpenter, the captain of our salvation. He's the chief cornerstone, the chief shepherd, commander of the heaven's armies. He's the consolation of Israel, the counselor and the covenant. Who is Jesus? He's the day spring, day star, deliverer, diadem, door, door, the sheepfold. Who is this Christ we speak of? He is Emmanuel, eternal life giver, everlasting God. He is faithful and he is true. He's the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn among many brethren. He's the firstborn of every creature, the first fruits, the first and the last, the forerunner, foundation, friend of publicans and sinners. Aren't you glad? Who is this Christ in whom we speak of? He's the glorious Lord, God, God of Israel, God our Savior, good master, governor, great God, great high priest, great shepherd, guardian of our souls. Who is this Christ we speak of? Who am I? I'm the head of the body, the head over all, healer, heir of all things, high priest, holy one, horn of salvation. He is the husband. Can I get an amen? He is the I am, the image of the invisible God, the immutable, the unimaginable Christ. He is Jesus, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, judge of Israel, judge of the quick and the dead, the just one, the just and the justifier. Who am I? The king, king eternal, king of glory, king of Israel, king of the Jews, king over all the earth, king of kings. Who is this Christ we speak of? He would say to you, I am the Lord of lords, the Lamb of God, the leader, the life, the light, the light of the Gentiles, light of the world, lily of the valley, lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the living bread, the living stone, the Lord of both the dead and the living. He is Lord of all, Lord of hosts, Lord of glory. 
He's the man of peace, the man of sorrows, master, mediator, messenger of the covenant, Messiah, mighty God, and the morning star. He is the Nazarene. He's the only begotten of the Father, the only wise God. He is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent God. Who am I? Defined by his word. He is the physician, the power of God, prince of peace, the prophet, the perpetuation. He is the purifier, the rabbi, the ransom, the redeemer, the resurrection, the righteous judge, the rock, the root in a dry ground. He is the rose of Sharon and the ruler of Israel. He is salvation, savior, scepter, seed of David, shoot of of stem of Jesse, son of God, son of man, stone, stone rejected. He is the son of righteousness. He's the teacher, the true vine, the truth, the unspeakable gift. He is the way, the wonderful, the word of God, the word of life. Who does the Bible say that he is? He is the Adam's, he is Adam's innocent sacrifice. He is Noah's ark of safety. He is Abraham's ram. He's Moses' rod. He's Aaron's rod that budded. He's Israel's ark of covenant. He is, he is Joshua's commander, Rahab's scarlet thread, Hannah's promise keeper, David's giant slayer. He's the widow's bread, the Elijah's fire, Daniel's lion tamer. He is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's fourth man in the furnace. He is Jeremiah's scroll. He is Peter's water walker. He is a He is Paul's blinding light. And he is John's revealer. Who does the world say that he is? What does the Bible say that he is? But he asked the question, who am I? Who do you say that I am? Who am I? Did he come to deliver us from sin? Absolutely. Did he come to deliver us from the tyranny of Satan? Absolutely. Did he come to change our nature so that we now have the ability to walk and to do as we should, yes. He asked his disciples because they needed to know. They needed to verbalize it. They needed to speak it out of their own mouth. Jesus know, knew the heart of all men. As we learned Wednesday night, he chooses many times to allow himself to be surprised at our answer. But he asked the question, and you need to, he's asking the same question today. Who am I? Who am I? Am I just a good teacher? Am I just a man who made it to the grave and no further? Am I a, a good moral standard for people to live by? Am I only a savior? Who am I? When you answer that question in its totality and the reality, it will bring transformation to your existence. When you answer it for yourself, because there's something powerful in the profession, because with the mouth we make profession, and the heart believing that he is Lord and Savior and King of all. Who am I? See, the wonder and the awe that strikes me is not all the benefit package, if you will, of my salvation, but it 
it is rooted, as you look at the cross and you see it, it, it is defies logic. Why would a perfect God come and die for an imperfect man? More importantly, why would he come and he die for me and die for you? Why would he do that? It has to come not in the avenue of reasoning. It must come through the realization of motivation. That he was motivated by the love that he has for you and I. But more than that, that we may know him. That we may know him. That he created us in a relationship that we may know him. The word of the Lord tells us in Hebrews 8 verses 10. He said, for this covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them on their heart. I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor. None his brother saying, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. John tells us in John 1, he says that as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. For what reason? That I might know him. That I might know him. That there may be an intimate, personal relationship with a risen God who lives on the inside of me. Who lives on the inside of everyone who would receive his sacrifices being enough. The saddest day in all of history will be when all the nations come before the risen king. And they have to give an account for why they rejected the knowledge of the living God. They have to reject, I don't want you. I don't want you. I will do this my way. How is your way working for you right now? It doesn't work too good because you have the same nature I was born with when I came into the world. It's a self-destructive behavior. It's a self-destructive nature. We do so inherently destroy things that are good within our life. It's only at the knowledge of the Lord that comes to the revelation that God gives us that we come to understand that we need a Savior. We're not meant to walk this life alone. But the greatest, as Paul said, I will forsake everything just for the knowledge of the one who has brought me to himself. It's a salvation, folks. Would be no salvation if it did not include the relationship with the risen God. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. And whosoever would believe would not perish, but have eternal life. Who am I? The Lord's asking that question of someone today. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? know him church to know him now hear me as the word as I understand human nature as I understand that that as we we move throughout this world that there's a lot of there's a lot of rebellion going on I got two amens and a couple of nervous little awkward chuckles 
Now, I, I see through a lens that is pretty much yes and no, black and white, when it comes to our relationship and the world's relationship with the Lord. And what we are experiencing right now is a whole lot of, I will do it my way, not God's way. What I mean by that is there is a, there's blinders that are on our eyes that we can only see what we can see in the natural. And we have a hard time seeing what cannot be seen. Come on. In fact, uh, it was uh, uh, Stephen Hawkins that was asked. I've seen this, uh, I've seen this on a, 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 a caption. Some of you may have seen it as well. They asked him if he believed in, in God, and, and uh, he said, absolutely not. He said, everybody, in fact, it says, when he was asked about his belief in God, Hawkins' response, Stephen Hawkins, his response was clear. He believed that there was no proof of a higher power that the universe could be explained through the law except through the laws of science. In an interview with a, with a Spanish newspaper, he said, he stated, before we understand science, it's a natural to believe that God created the universe. But now science offers a more convincing explanation. Oh, does it really? Hawkins' views on religion were not limited to a single religion. He believed that all religions were based on the same principles of faith and do not offer any factual evidence. He is, for all intents and purposes, an atheist. I just got one question for you if you hold to this belief. Who started start? Who began the beginning? Who brought the laws of nature into play? Where does dirt come from? How did the stars reach in the heavens? Let me say to you that the realm in which I speak of, uh, it came, this world came into existence from a realm that cannot be seen. Jesus said, my kingdom is not with observation, my kingdom is within you. But understand this, uh, laws of nature, they do display the, uh, they do uh, bring evidence of God's creation. Uh, and the word of the Lord tells us that all creation has a voice. Uh, and it shouts out that there's a creator. And there's a creator bigger than what we see. And understand that flesh and blood, Simon Barjona, it was not flesh and blood that revealed this to you, but it was my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you today that God, our Father in heaven, wants to reveal to you who Jesus is. Who am I? Who am I? See, we live in a world, and once we come to truth, folks, who I am in Him, because when we come down to it, when we come down to it, who am I? Jesus came to this world to reveal the Father to us. But he also came to this world to reveal us to us. See, because I can't know, once I understand who I am in him, then I understand who I am. Amen? 
See, because once I come to the place where I understand who I am, I can no longer, I can no longer live in a state of who I am not meant to be. See, I was told my entirety of my life that I was something other than what God had made me to be. But see, once you come into the knowledge of who he is, then you begin to understand who you are and who God has meant for you to be. In 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us, and as, as we have borne the image of the man of dust, the natural man, so we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. Who's the heavenly man? That is Jesus. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. See, he asked his disciples there, guys, I need you to get this. I need you to understand this. Who am I? Am I just a good teacher? Who am I? Am I a prophet? Who am I? Am I Elijah or, or Jeremiah or one of those that come before? Who am I? They said, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the deliverer of sin. You are the conqueror of Satan. You are the one who empowers and changes my nature. You are the Christ. That changes everything. Now, Who are you? And that's the crux of the matter. See, because it doesn't matter what the world believes about you. And see, the Lord was showing them, he said, it doesn't it matter what the world thinks that I am. It doesn't matter what others has t- have told you you are. It doesn't even really matter what you, what God believes about you. What matters is what you believe that God believes about you. And that he came to this world for an express reason. And that was to save you and to deliver you. But more importantly, that he may enter into relationship with you so that now you understand who he is and who you are meant to be in him. And when you come to that understanding by the revelation of the Father, it changes everything. You can't be the same anymore because it changes everything. How many believe today? that belief, uh, that unbelief is an oxymoronic word. And what I mean by that is it's got a contradiction to itself. I was thinking about this the other day. If you believe in something, then you can't believe in something else. Amen? Can I do a little Dr. Seuss on you today? (laughs) Can I I Dr. Seuss you? I've taken you from here, there, and yarn. Let me just say, once I come to truth of who I am in him, I can no longer live in a lie of who I am not. Amen? So in order for me to believe one thing, then I've got to not believe another. Let me go a little further. Now, I can't understand, I can't believe more than he believes about me. But I certainly should not believe less than he believes about me. In other words... I don't change the rules, and I'm not God, and I can't, I can't alter the universe, and I can't do those things. I can't believe more than what the Word says about me. I can't change the rules to fit my circumstance, 
Because I cannot reconcile God to me, he reconciles me to him. But see, what we have to understand is our lives live in my belief of them. To believe what he believes about me, I must not believe what the lie says about me anymore. I cannot believe the truth and believe a lie at the same time. And my belief is evidenced by my behavior. So when the Lord found me, I was a victim. I was self-destructive. I was purposeless, shameful. But see, when he brought me in and said, who am I? Well, you're, you're the deliverer. You're the Messiah. You are everything the Bible says. Do you believe that? He's asking you right now, do you believe that? Do you believe that? He's asking you to, to, to come to the place to, to reconcile your thoughts and where you're at with what's really going on around you. Do you believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and he has delivered you from yourself, from sin and Satan? Do you believe that? And if you do, uh, then you've got to walk and you've got to talk because your belief uh, is evidenced by your behavior. And I'm just trying to get you to a place where we begin to understand if I'm going to believe that I am victorious in Christ, then I've got to believe I'm no longer a victim. Come on. If I believe that I am forgiven, then I'm not walking in the shame of that unforgiveness anymore. See, the reconciling of those thoughts in our mind and our heart changes the way we approach life. Folks, if we believe that he is who he says he is, then we must also believe that we are who he says we are. Amen? Is that not a beautiful thing? Because in order for me to believe, then I've got to unbelieve in another area. Because if I believe over here... That I am victorious, that I, I've got, I believe over here, I unbelieve over here that I'm a victim. If I believe that God has a purpose for my life, I don't live purposely in this world. If I believe God has a vision, then I go after God's vision for my life and I don't live visionless. Fathers, can you hear me today that you need to have a vision for your family and start living with the person who purpose? Because God has purpose for you. Amen. See, what empowers a lie? Belief. If you believe a lie, it's stronger than truth in your life. It's stronger than the victory that God paid for. It's stronger than the presence of God. The resurrection of God in your life personally, if you believe in a lie. If you believe you can live like you want to live and still make it in because God's going to be good with all your badness, <laughs> it's not going to change what's going to happen. See, because the truth is God's word. The truth is truth. And so we look here to the word of God and what we begin to see is that if I believe this, a 
about God, then I've got to believe this about me. As I bore the image of the man of dust, I also bear the image of the man of heaven. That he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God in him. I wish I could express it the way in which I feel it. And that is God wants you to know him. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to know what he knows. He wants you to, to share life with you. That the life that you've been living and carrying the weights and the burdens of your sins, he wants to take from you. He wants to instill within you the goodness and the mercy that he paid for on the cross. He wants to give all of those things to us so that we may know him. That's why Paul said when he was giving all of his resume, his CV, he was telling them that, look, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. As far as religion goes, man, I was born in the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Look, I had it all going on. I'm a Pharisee. I can, I've had all the pomp and stance when it was, when it came to the, those of my Israelite nation. But he said, I counted all as loss. Rubbish, trash for the excellency, excel, excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Lord wants you to know Him. The Lord truly wants you to know Him. Who am I? Can we answer that question? Because He's asking it right now. Who am I? But also you ask the question of yourself, who am I? Who am I? Why is there a, why are we born into this world and there's a nervousness of, 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 of not knowing where this thing's going to end? Whether or not we've, we've done enough, been enough, and had enough to make it in. You've got to come to the place. You realize. Look, you can't be good enough. He's good enough. When he steps inside of you, now he begins to bring you to that place where you understand what he's done. And he starts walking in you. And now all of a sudden you stop defining yourself as who you were and you start defining yourself as who he is. I'm, I cannot be, be more than he says that I am. But I cannot be, I should never be less than what he says I am. Amen? That was the best amen I've gotten all day. All day. All day. <laughs> Could you imagine the setting? Yes, bring that baby up here. <laughs> We're going to go hunt some eggs. <laughs> See, I, I would hate to think that you would waste another moment in a life that you were not meant to live. Being defined by a world that is telling you you're everything but what God wants you to be. You See, the rebellion I talked about 
but the world shakes its fist. It says, you're not going to define me. You're not going to tell me what the, who I am. But that's exactly what the world is doing to you. Shaking your fist in the face of God and saying, you won't tell me my preferences. You won't tell me who I am and what I'll do and who I'll, where I'll go and how I'll, I will accomplish my life. But let me tell you, you will always end up in the same place of despair. As much as you try to put on the facade that everything's okay and that you're truly happy, your nature brings contradictory to what your profession is. And you just keep self-destructing and self-destructing and self-destructing. When the Lord says, I've got a better plan for you. I've got a better definition of who you are. I've got a better definition of what life should be. I've got a better definition of, of how you can make this journey, not just in this life, but the life to come. Oh, I just feel the Holy Spirit trying to compel those that are in the house today to say, look, I've got a plan for your life, and it includes the relationship and the knowledge that you can have in me. Why did Jesus ask his disciples, who do men say that I am? Who am I? Because it was paramount to whether or not they would live victorious in this life where they would exist in the life to come. Oh, Father, we thank you, Lord God, this day. We thank you, Lord, this day. We thank you, Lord, this day. We thank you, Lord, for the death, the burial, the resurrection. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. Jesus, we ask you today, Lord God, knowing that there's none righteous, no, not one, that the wages of sin, Lord God, is death. The gift of God is eternal life through you, Lord Jesus. I want you to look up here at me, and I just want to be straight up with you. I'm having a struggle today, and I know what it is. There are those of you that are in this house today, and your eternity is not sure. There are those in this house today, and I'm just going to be, you feel it, I feel it. There's a, there's a weighing of the balance. Your eternity is at stake. The Bible says in Romans 12, 9 and 10, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But I want you to get this, that confesses the Lord Jesus Christ. He cannot be your Savior until He becomes your Lord. 
can't, you, can't, you can't lay it out any, any other way. If he's your Savior and not your Lord, you're going to still go out and self-destruct, show up occasionally to church, maybe read a scripture or two every now and again, and continue to do whatever it is you want to do. Until you come to the revelation of who am I and who am I. There's only one position God will take in your life, and that is Lord. Because that's the only place that he will fit in your life, and that is Lord. And we live in a world that says, no, I will pick my own path. I will do my own thing. But let me bring you to a realization that you're not really doing that very well. Because that relationship that keeps falling apart, that is dictating your behavior. Because you have no control over that nature. That thing you keep reaching for, that it's, it's the thing that's in control of your life. That thing that you keep reaching for, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be, who knows, you fill in the blank. It could be the escape that you have to have every day. It could be something that you're reaching for continually, that trying to, trying to offset where it is you're, where you're at and what you're doing. That's in control. But the Lord says, I've got something better. I've got something much more rewarding. There is a true definition of who you are in Christ. And his plan is so much better than your plan. His desire is so much greater. His love exceeds all other love. But let me tell you, he must be Lord. See, I would come into the church and I would hit the altar because I felt the conviction of my sins. I knew I wasn't right. I would come and say, Lord, be my Savior, be my Savior, and I'd go out and keep living like I was living. Now, I'd, I'd have a week or so. Anybody, you know, put the clock to it? Man, I did everything good for a week, and after that week was up, bam, my buddies would come over and I was out the door. You hear me? Until I came to the place where there's an overwhelming sense of I'm not right. I'm just not right. God would not leave me alone because I had all these thinking Christians praying for me. I just wouldn't, they just wouldn't stop. Found out later on that there was a lady that lived across the street from my good buddy. And she was a, a, a good lady. We went to church, but we'd keep her up half the night partying over at my friend's house. And she, she was the one calling the cops on us. And I, I assure you, if you keep me up all night, I'm going to call the cops on you. But, but she said, I would see you in the crowd and I would pray for you. Wow. See, I found that out after I became the youth pastor of our little local church. And three of her daughters were in my youth group. She didn't know that little drunken heathen that was coming in and out. Maybe she did. Maybe the spirit showed her. I had no idea. But God was, God was already praying. They wouldn't leave me alone, Tim. They just kept praying for me. Found out along the way there was a, 
people that would, had crossed my path in life. And I had appendix rupture when I was a kid, and I was in a hospital for a month. And thanks be to God, there was a, a spirit-filled surgeon that would come in and lay hands on me and pray. He laid hands on me and pray because he, he, I developed gangrene. I was in a bad way. And he would lay hands on me and begin to pray. And pray. He, said, he said, you were so bad off, I did not know beyond my expertise if I could save you. That's how far gone you were. But I'd lay hands on you and I'd just pray in the Spirit. Found that out because two of his sons were in my youth group. See, I had all these thinking Christians. Her uncle, Uncle Andy, just wouldn't quit praying for me. And every time I got around him, he'd always say, Mike, how you doing? I'm good. He'd call me. Hey, uh, Mike, I need you to, uh, would you look up this scripture for me? Like, I don't even know where my Bible's at. What are you talking about? He's always annoying me with all of his prayers and his input. That I'm laying in my bed on 7-Eleven Jefferson Street in Bowie, Texas. So deep under conviction that I came to the place. I said, oh God, I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. I said, oh God, you know I can't do this. You know that I have failed. You know that I'll never make it on my, I don't know how to do this. And the Lord said, I just need you to surrender. I just need you to surrender to my Lordship. I just need you to surrender to my Lordship. Finally, after struggle there that night, tormented in my spirit, I finally said, okay, God, I give, I quit, I surrender. You are Lord. See, I didn't hold back what I couldn't do. I didn't hold back the failure. I didn't hold back all my regrets. I didn't hold back the shame. I just surrendered. Church was no longer religion filled with a bunch of nerdy people. That's too cool for church. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A bunch of Bible thumpers. You know what I'm saying? I stepped in. The Lord convinced me I've delivered you from your sins. I've given you power over Satan. You're not going to self-destruct anymore. But the greatest gift of all is he lives in me. I live in him. And I never face a day on my own. And I know him. I know him. He knows me. with all my heart I want you to know him but see he can't take second place it's, he just can't he cannot take second place in your life but see all the distortion you've had about authority in your life that didn't come from God 
See, authority is meant to protect. Authority is meant to guide. Authority is meant to govern. You live in a corrupt world, and you live in a, grow up in a home full of horrible things that happen. It gives a distortion of a reality of a true God. But today, I want to invite you, as the worship team makes their way up, I want to invite you today to come into a relationship with a God who wants you to know him. And he wants to show you who you are meant to be in him. You're not going to face the world on your own anymore. You're going to face it with the knowledge of who he is in you. Would you stand all across this room today? Father, we magnify your name. Father, we magnify your name. Joseph, just begin to play whatever you got there prepared. See, this day is not just a day that you walked in. This is a day that the Lord has been preparing for you. So you left the 99 to go after the one. The one. He left all of heaven to come after you. The Lord's interested in nations and generations, but he's also interested in you. If your experience with the Lord has been such that you're in one day and out the next, that you've sought him only as a savior and not as a Lord, and you're ready to say, God, I want, I want you to step into my heart and be my Lord, then this day is your day of change. If you're here right now, I want you to step out and say, I'm ready to make him Lord. I'm ready to make him Lord. The balcony, we're going to wait on you. You're out there now, I know, because there's been a struggle, just like I had the same struggle that night when I surrendered to the Lord. I feel that same struggle right now in this house. You're, you're in this place, and you're, you're just wondering, oh, God, I don't know. Can I come down there? What are these people going to think about me? What's, what are they going to say? Let me tell you, it doesn't make any difference what they think or what they're going to say. What matters is whether or not you are in the right relationship with the living God. I, I failed, I failed. Yes, we are all failures until we get the victor living in here. Come on. Let the Lord define you. Let the Lord say who you are. Let the Lord declare over you, you are my child. If you're in this house today, and this message has been for you, as they begin to play and as I begin to pray, step out. Step out. Do not.